Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do? The show where I, your host, Dan or Dennis Maller, talk to artists and entertainers about their day job. My guest on the show this week is actor and comedian Andy Ostroff. He originally was here from Boston, moved to L.A. about 11 years ago, uh, and then he moved back here to Boston for a couple months uh, for some family issues, and now he moved to New York, so he's doing comedy and acting in New York. It was actually a really good talk with him because this is somebody who I had not met until I asked him to be on the podcast. Uh, he he and I were we met at an open mic. We we're all just standing outside of the open mic before it happened, and we we're talking. And hey, the radio professional guy just forgot to turn off his phone, so it didn't make noise during during his intro. Uh, so let's do that now. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that in. I don't care. You guys don't have to believe I'm a professional because I just did something stupid and I deserve the consequences of your shaming me in my head, in your head. Anyway, Andy and I met uh, at a comedy open mic here in Boston and we were just outside talking. Everybody was talking. Then him and I started talking some more and more. Uh, I found out he was an actor, that he was in the SAG union, which is one of the things that we talk about because I have a lot of opinions about the SAG after a union because I am in it and I'm not a fan of unions. Never really been a fan of unions um, personally. And I have friends who are union reps. Uh, the whole thing, all right, let me get into it. The whole thing, and I'm not even say this on the podcast, I don't know, but the whole thing about unions to me nowadays, like I get why we had unions originally, why they were put in place originally. However, now... With labor laws, we don't really need them. So to me, unions are there just to screw you, to take money from you. They really, no, what unions do is they prevent stupid people from getting fired. That's all unions are good for now. Uh, And this is me coming out uh, having a huge problem with the union and my union rep working day and night to fix it. Uh, It was a whole healthcare issue that I had a couple weeks ago. So bless her heart for doing it and fixing it and getting everything taken care of. However, Unions, I think, are just there to screw you and take your money. Like, I know my employer is going to screw me any which way they can. But unions just screw you, then make you give them cab fare and thank them afterwards. That's how I look at unions, personally. I don't think we need them, and I'm sure somebody out there is in a union and they love it, but I am not a fan of unions. I am in the SAG after union because I work in radio. We're a union uh, shop, so it's either pay to be in the union to get dues and my health care because I cannot get since I'm a union shop I cannot get health care from the company that I work for at all so the only way I can get my health care is from the union so if I decide that I don't want to be in the union what I can do is pay a yearly fee which is about the same amount as my yearly dues to not be in the union and then not have health care kind of a scam also the benefits at my union um especially for vision and dental, especially vision. And I wear glasses, so it's incredibly important if I have good vision care. Uh, nowhere nearly as good as the vision and healthcare provided by the company I work for. So that's just another thing that makes me hate unions, that we have a not a crappy healthcare, just not as good one. But anyway, so we talk about unions, we talk about acting, we talk a lot about uh, method acting and acting schools because he went into acting schools. So that's a whole world of things that I didn't know. And I did go to a theater high school. I was not enrolled in the theater part of the magnet program. I was just a regular student, but I did a lot of stuff with the theater outside of school, after school and stuff like that. Uh, And in of Troop, I did a lot of tech theater. I was involved in that stuff, but yet I was not a part of the theater program. So I don't know how acting classes actually work. You know, I took like one acting class my senior year 
because I had t- room to fill out in my schedule. And I felt like I should have done it. So I did. It was a good time. It was fun. I also dislocated my shoulder at that time of the year uh, wrestling when I was a kid uh, in high school. My senior year, I dislocated, badly dislocated my, sh- my shoulder, ripped up my rotator's cuff. And so most of my theater class, I was in a sling. And I used to sit next to my friend. Uh, her name was Casey. Uh, I wonder whatever happened to her. Anyway, sweet gal. I think I saw her once or twice after high school, immediately after high school since then. Not a clue. I could look her up. On the book of face is not going to do it. Nobody else look her up. In fact, I might even bleep out that name. But we would sit next together, and she was one of those persons that I would just tease and, and you know, rib her a little bit, make fun of her, say terrible things because I'm a terrible person. And she would always just whack me in the shoulder, and I would just fall down in pain in a fetal position, holding my arm. She'd be like, oh, Dennis, whack. Poof. What the hell's wrong with you now? Oh, yeah, your arm. Sorry. But, yeah, we had some good fun in the acting classes that we were in. Well, the one acting class we were in together. I think I did an acting class, a theater class, both semesters my senior year. I think. I can't remember. It was so long ago. So it was good, by the way, having Andy in here and having to actually recreate some of the conversation we were having outside of the open mic, like to naturally recreate the questions and the things that we said outside of that open mic now on the recording. And... It was very informative stuff. Like, he has some really great stories about when he first moved to L.A. and he was working jobs, um, mostly in the restaurant industry. So there's some good stories that you're going to hear from them. Very funny that you will enjoy. So I was glad that I met him that day and was able to say, hey, you're in town. We just met. This is fascinating what we're doing. Let me have you on my podcast, like right now, like tonight, tomorrow, whenever you can come in. Uh, And we did it on a Sunday evening. He popped in here before he was on a show across town so we didn't have a lot of time to sit down and talk because we could have talked for hours it felt like but it was one of those like we're looking at the watch like all right let's just wrap this up because you gotta go and i want to go to bed actually i didn't want to go to bed i hate going to sleep i like staying up late but i have to get up early so i need my sleep anyway and by the early i say 4 a.m monday through friday 4 a.m every day alarm goes off and i have to drag myself out of bed which is not greatly conducive to doing comedy because it's a lot of late nights and I work till 630 like I have a weird schedule I work uh, in radio if you're just new to the podcast I work in radio I produce traffic reports for a company which is very boring may sound interesting but it's not I uh, get up in the morning and I do morning drive I produce the reports for morning drive so any of the traffic reporters that report for my area they just essentially read what I write uh, so I do it in the morning, I have a few hours off, and then I come back in the afternoon and do it, and those are the only times that my markets, my cities that I produce, are Aaron traffic reports. Whereas the Boston, I don't do Boston, I do Western Mass and Southern New Hampshire. The guys who do Boston, they work 24-7. So there's three, four people that work, what is it, eight, yeah, so there's three guys, three people, who do the producing for Boston traffic, and they work in shifts eight-hour shifts all the way around the clock. Uh, same thing with reporters. Uh, we have more than three because the schedule's weird. I don't know. Anyway, but they're always constantly, 24 hours a day, doing traffic reports for Boston. And my cities, eh, not that important, apparently. All right, so anyway, let's get into the podcast this week with my guest, actor and comedian, Andy Ostroff. I worked in D.C., so 
I yeah, have I used an to aff- live in DC. Yeah, well, I I worked for a couple radio stations down there. So I have an affiliation with DC. Yeah. But it's more like I prefer to watch DC lose just so I can gloat to my friends in DC. <laughs> well, but then when they're doing want... well, yeah, because I'm yeah. from Baltimore, but when they do well, I'm celebrating along with you guys. I'm like, yes, because I work here and this is also my team, sort of. But yeah. when they lose, ha, 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 ha. So you got the best of both worlds. Yeah. Same thing with New England. Like, I've always been a New England fan second, so. But also, I care less and less about sports since I moved up here. I think it's that whole that everyone here cares about sports so much. A lot, yeah. Well, it's the only game in town, man. My t- my entire uh, emotion emotional set towards sports just shuts down. Yeah. It's like, oh, if you really like it, then I don't care about it. <laughs> like, I take the opposite stance on pretty much everything. Yeah, That's I was actually watching more sports before. I, I've just been too busy since I moved here to really sit down and watch. I. Write for a sports blog, and I haven't been writing. <laughs> so, which things I should I should start on that again. I like it. So, is that a sports blog you started when you were in LA? Yeah, I actually didn't start it. A friend of mine did, and then asked me to come on as a like a staff writer, I guess. So, okay, I write about two articles a week, but I'm supposed to. I first That's got a lot. I, yeah, I first got hired on to write for college, about college basketball, and then I stayed on and write about. I can write about whatever, but college basketball actually. I think it just yeah it just started. They just started practicing. So, oh really? I think either that or they will. They by Halloween they will. I mean the NBA. Yeah, yeah, they definitely did. Oh yeah, yeah. Because okay. the NBA starts next week. Yeah, because so. I always have to remember like when, when professional sports go into season. I have to remember when we play that sport in high school. Because mm-hmm. I in high, I know I just went on a rant about how much I don't care about sports, but in high school I played football, wrestling, lacrosse. Okay. And then summer session wrestling, and then for four years. Uh, over and over. I enjoy playing playing sports. Yeah. Don't enjoy watching them. I can with my friends. They're sitting around watching them. I can hang out and yeah. and pay attention. But uh, uh, So I have to remember football and soccer were in the fall. Yep. The winter was wrestling and basketball. Yep. And then lacrosse and baseball is in the spring, which yeah. baseball makes sense in the spring. However, if you move to different climates, it sort of changes, I guess. How so? No, you can play baseball all year round if you live in the oh, south. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you live in a warm climate, you can play baseball all year round. But it's like so when you talk about – Sometimes they have it as like a fall sport. So major League Baseball schools. or Major yeah, League yeah, Sports. Yeah. They have major their League Baseball is like the whole year Yeah, except the winter. Well, um, <laughs> uh, comedian here, Ben Quick, he just he, – uh, he was playing college baseball and he still plays like – I don't want to say rec league. I don't know what you call it with adults, but semi pro. Yeah, He's not Ramiro, even that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I guess Romero, but whatever. He just finished like a week or two ago with his season. And oh yeah, I know in Baltimore yeah. there was like fall ball seasons or yeah. fall ball teams. Unless you're in the World the Series, ball, so. like the real World Series, you do not want to be playing right now. It's too cold. No, yeah, especially. Well, today wasn't as bad, but yesterday, yesterday was kind of cold, cold, man. Uh, but I was drinking and eating so much chili yesterday. <laughs> I had, <laughs> which, by the way, I'm gonna have the worst indigestion during this whole thing because my buddy. It's uh, all right. I ate a lot it... of cheese today, man. Uh, so we, can, we can just record our fart sounds. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. Let's record fart sounds in a well, small we record, room. We recorded <laughs> fart sounds for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, he cool. does a chili cook-off every year at his place. And so I had 10 bowls of 10 chi- – actually, 11 bowls of 10 chilies. You we had, had to eat a whole bowl? For- no. <laughs> I took whole- Is that just a taste? I took – oh, no. You could take as much as you want. And I was taking ladles full of everything. Like halfway wanted- through the contest, you're like, yes, I'm sick. And like, you're just supposed to taste it. <laughs> it's like, you're like a sommelier that drinks a whole glass of wine every time. It just falls on people's <laughs> tables. It gets drunk as shit. How do you, do you recommend this Bordeaux? I do- yeah, that's you know, the Bordeaux right there. <laughs> 
Uh, but uh, no, like, I was only doing one spoonful of everything. It was just a really big spoon. Uh, so now, um, well, we had, it was actually ten chilies, but we had eleven entries because they didn't realize until afterwards. They took what somebody brought an entry in a crock pot, and they took that and put it into a pot and put it on the stove, but they didn't put all of it in the pot. So when they went, they brought the entries out from the house onto the tables. They took the crock pot and the pot. And enter them as two and four. And Ooh. when you look at their numbers, you get a better chance to win. No, he didn't. <laughs> that was the thing. He we went back to add up the scores. That's even like if two you combine in the bucket, man. Even if you combine their two combined scores of two and four, still came in fifth place. <laughs> Which means not a very good chili. Or there were just four really good chilies in front of it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, yeah. Well, for whatever. Numbers. Numbers are hard, but. Um, how was the studio, by the way? You did Wednesday and Thursday at the comedy show. I did. Right? It was fun, it man. It was cool. Um, Wednesday was a little lighter crowd, but I thought they were great. And then. That's yeah, a Wednesday. And plus, yeah. Wednesday was bitterly cold on Wednesday. Plus, Chelsea Clinton was next door doing some sort of. Uh, I think she was doing a book signing or something like that. Oh, what at that Harvard bookstore? I think place? that's where she was. I'm not exactly sure where she was, but someone was like, oh, Chelsea Clinton's next door. I didn't hear about Chelsea. I heard all yeah. about the Jonah Ray incident. Or not oh, incident, yeah. but that he was in town and whatnot, because he stopped by a place I was at on Wednesday. Yeah, and then he did... Uh, and then he did the studio Thursday before the, the show. studio, yeah. He filmed, and of course it went long, because it's a film shoot, and they all mm-hmm. do. And so, But only a half hour, and then Rick was really cool. He refunded the audience all their money. Oh, really? So it was a free show. Oh, good for... Yeah, Rick, that's, yeah Rick's like that. Rick does He's a cool guy. He's a great guy. He knows where he can make his money, when he can lose lose money, and where they'd be, be beneficial. Yeah. Like, if it's a light night and some two people come in late, he was like, don't charge them. Just let them in. Just get them to sit down. He cares yeah. more about the audience well, having a good time. He so. understands it's about the quality of the show more than anything else. So. Yeah. Which he does a good job of curating shows together. Yeah, so. he does. And he's, t- he's just passed the booking on to other people, so we'll see how that works out in the next year. Who books over there now? Uh, it's going to be Andrea and Rick oh, okay. Canavan's booking his Friday shows. Oh, okay. I don't so. know him. I met Andrea, though. She actually, I actually drove her home with uh, your yeah. roommate. She lives close to here. Yeah. Usually, she's the one that rides me home. Okay. Where I'm somewhere, and she's like, you want to ride? I'm like, I'm not asking, but if you're giving, yeah, I'll take a yeah. ride home. We live close to each other. But uh, yeah, so you never met Andrea. How well do you know Rick? From Well, I met Andrea. I don't know... Uh... What, what, what did you say the other guy's name was? Rick Canavan. Sorry, Rick I meant Jenkins, by the way. Oh, Rick How well Jenkins. do you know Jenkins? Because, I mean, you just uh, moved I did back just move here. here, but for a while, every time I would come into town, I'd hit him up. Okay. He'd put me on. He was really nice. So um, a couple years ago, I came in. I was like, you know, I want to do some shows in Boston. And so I emailed him just out of the blue, and he emailed me back. And was like, send a tape. And he's like, I can give you this night spot. And I was like, okay. Yeah, he's very open to people coming from out of town. Yeah, it was um, really cool. Which it was I never nice. really did stand up in Boston till I was this ask. month, really. So, so did you? Do, you didn't do stand up here until you started doing stand up when you moved to LA. Then. Yeah, I actually moved to LA and was just doing acting, and I was like, I'm a serious actor. Yeah, and then I was doing all these. I was like in a Meisner class, and it was like, never people like if the way that class was set up, like if you weren't crying every scene, like you weren't doing it right. Yeah. So, yeah. So now I look back and I'm like, that was, it was cool and I learned a lot, but still it was like, I could have not cried in every scene and it would have been fine, but that's what they wanted. And so I did that and I realized a lot of my scenes were funny. And so then I started doing improv and- Where'd you, where'd you start with improv uh, out there? Second City. Okay, in and Chicago? No, in L.A. Oh, do they have a second yeah, city in L.A.? second okay. city L.A. They got all the, all of like the big improv places have a place in L.A. too. Okay, makes sense. Second City, UCB, IO, 
Groundlings. Well, Groundlings is an L.A. place, but yeah, all the big places are in L.A. too, additionally. And uh, so I started going to Second City, and then I was meeting people, and someone was like, oh, you should try stand-up. And so then I started doing uh, – started just trying stand-up. Now, how, then, what, when was this that you started doing stand-up? It was probably about seven years ago or something. Okay. So I was in L.A. So when for did you move, move – when you? how long ago did you move to L.A.? I was in L.A. for like – 11 years. Oh, 11 years. Yeah, so I moved there like right after college. Right after college. Well, I now, came back to Boston for about six months. I saved up. And when the second I got like 10 grand, I moved, which was good because I would have moved right back <laughs> if, if I didn't have that money. You didn't have that cushion. Now, when you moved to LA after college, were you going to college for acting? Was it? Uh, I minored in acting. You minored in acting? Where'd so, you, uh, where'd you go to school? I went to GW. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. DC. Yeah, we were yeah, talking yeah. about DC. So. I went down there, and I just really liked the acting classes. Like, I took, like, intro to acting. It was really fun. And then I started taking some other ones, and they were really fun. And then I I was like, you know what? I want to act. And then I got to L.A., and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Because a college acting class is cool, but it's not a professional acting class. Like, it's cool. Like, if you want to go get your master's in acting, cool. That's great. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you some fundamentals, but it's not going to teach you how to approach life as an actor unless you're in like one of those very specialized programs that really teaches acting like uh, i did a girl who went to like the uh, american academy of acting and and when she got out of school she was much more prepared for that sort of life than i was like she knew like she knew what an audition was she knew what this like i thought i, I had no idea what really anything was so i went out there just blind and then I was like, oh, I need to learn how to do all this stuff. So college didn't prepare you for uh, the audition process It at didn't all. prepare me for the professional acting process at all. Uh. Like, I mean, I remember I took one class that was supposed to teach me how to be on camera. And they were like, this is what it's going to be like. And someone was holding like a poster board that was supposed to be a light board. And like, there was like, there's a boom operator. It was just like, it was a joke. Yeah. I mean, it was really like, it was kind of like modeling a, it was like a, a, a bad imitation of a student film. Hmm. So it, I wasn't ready for it. like I had no idea like the scale of anything or what anything was. So I really just learned as I went. And for the first like few years, I was just sort of fumbling around figuring things out. Like, just, but did they at least teach you like the fundamentals of acting itself? They did, and there was a lot of like sense memory and all that shit. And then when I went to the Meisner class, they were like, "Throw that away. Meisner doesn't believe in that because they're not your acting teacher is not a psychologist or you know like." I don't know, like shit like that. Like, I mean, there's so much stuff that go. Like, you go back to like the group theater, and like you see guys like, uh, what was it like Harold Clerman and like Elia Kazan, and how they split, and like because some guys they went to Russia and studied with Stanislavski, and they're like, well, Stanislavski doesn't believe in that system anymore. He believes in this system now, and it's not about sense memory, and it's not about you know you're supposed to like make up things. You're not about. Uh, you're not supposed to do the senses, but there's still like, so there's like method acting and there's Meisner approach and then there's all different approaches to acting. And it took me a while to just realize like, hey, why don't I just act like I know I would act in like this for real? Well, how's uh, like you keep using the word Meisner, Meisner. I don't. What's the difference between Meisner and the rest of them? Well, Meisner has a Is specific um but he has a specific way. It's just like how different improv schools teach yeah. different ways of improv. But well, is his more his method is, or is he no, more? his is based on his. Uh, he doesn't do Im- improv. He does improvisations because I remember my, my teacher then was kind of a snob about that. But he would do. Um, 
I'm basically, gonna... like, basically you repeat things. So, uh-huh. the, like, the very first exercise, I would say, like, to you, I would say, like, you have a blue sweatshirt. And then you would say to me, I have a blue sweatshirt. Not at first. At first, you would say, you have a blue sweatshirt. Then you would uh... graduate, graduate into, I have a blue sweatshirt. And then you start doing these things where it's, uh, you have an activity and a door. And basically, it's set up like you're doing an activity that involves you. Like, uh, I don't know. It's something like you're you're building something or other and you have to put like a reason behind it and make it like super important and then the person comes to the door and they need something from you and so they knock on the door and you open it but they can't tell you what it is and you can't tell them why you're doing the activity but they're going to distract you from the activity it's very simple but that's supposed to teach you in uh in acting like in a scene you have an activity but you also have a, and then the other person has a need so everybody has sort of a need in their scene or something like that so all right that's Incredibly confusing, but I it guess is. it's it is. It's easier. Uh, I mean, there has to be a reason behind these things it, besides just. Oh yeah, a lot the, of it because I mean, it, it all comes down to like the human condition. You want to behave like a person when you're acting, and that's the really the hardest thing to do is just. Um, sometimes you know how sometimes you see a movie and you can tell somebody's acting. Yeah, and then sometimes you can see a movie and just someone's behaving. You want to be behaving. You know? Okay, and it's weird. I feel like kind of it, it's bizarre even talking about it because I feel like there's a some sort of like explaining act. I always feel like kind of a snob talking yeah. about acting like that. Uh, well, like I, the craft, the craft of acting. Yeah, well, I I know how that feels because sometimes I went to I went to a theater high school. It was a magnet program. Oh, I cool. went there because I lived across the street, but we nice. were also a magnet program for arts and stuff like that. And I was very involved in the theater stuff. Yeah, I was doing an improv troupe for two years. And there's uh, on the snob level of things, I get very agitated because it was drilled in my head by my theater teacher when somebody says the word skit instead of sketch. It literally sends steam out of my ears, especially <laughs> when they refer to like, oh, dude, did you see that skit on SNL the other day? I was like, no, Saturday Night Live is a sketch comedy show, not a skit comedy show. Get yeah. it right. And I come off like such the asshole. Yeah, you got to just let that I'm stuff right. slide. I mean, I'm people, right. I yeah, can't let it. I know. I'm right. But it's like, but, it's, you know, it's like people are like, oh. But she drilled that in my head when somebody would say, oh, and it's the worst. I'm sure somebody says, hey, when you're doing one of your comedy skits on the stage there doing stand-up, you're like, I will strangle you yeah. if you keep talking like that. But- I, I, I try to be as chill about it as possible. Or like when people say, like one of my things is I'll say to someone, I'll be like, oh, good luck. People are like, oh, it's bad luck to say good luck. You have to say break a leg. I'm like, I don't uh, subscribe to that, man. Which, by the way, wasn't that... Because uh, any sort of that superstition, I feel, is taking you away from what you're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> if you're worried about someone... Saying, if you're worried if about... If you're worried about someone who didn't say break a leg, you're like, ah. If you're worried about the ghosts in the rafters that are gonna, that's going to yeah. punish you be- for saying the wrong thing, yeah. you got if better... If you're worried about someone you just mentioned Macbeth on the theater, you're going to fucking... You should be yeah. reading dialogue then. Like, yeah. go memorize your dialogue. If you're worried about the ghosts yeah. in the rafters, go, go read some dialogue, okay? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. So when you went to L.A., was that a serious push for acting? Or were you just like, I'm going to go to L.A. and like, what did you go? You said you minored in acting. What was your I want to go to L.A. and just act. So you got the acting bug in college. Yeah, I, I that was like because it's weird when you talk to somebody who's acting or who tries out for movies and stuff or when even you listen to other interviews. They all have different ways that they got into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I went to a theater high school, and nobody from my high school is in it. Like, I'm really? uh, me doing stand-up and working in television and radio, I'm the closest to being huh. <laughs> being in the industry than anyone else from a year. Like, we were the first year of that school. Uh, I think my sister was, uh, when I graduated, my sister went in as a freshman. Mm-hmm. 
And between those years, I don't think there's anybody. There's some people doing community theater and small theater, yeah. but. You know, I was an extra in a movie, and that's one more IMDb credit than anyone else from my high school had who were in the program. Well, it's also like you got to be kind of a little, you got to be a little crazy to even pursue it because it's. Oh, absolutely! Like, I mean, I don't do acting. Know, I will. Like, I enjoy doing most it. Most of the actors I know do not make a ton of money. No. doing it. A lot of I know a lot of people who do, and that's the goal. A few and far between. Yeah, you can make a living and be a nobody. There's plenty of commercial actors and and just. Mm-hmm. Daytime, yeah, daytime, the what, what do you call it? daytime players or whatever that just show up on set to do yeah. in the background. You can make a living that way, an easily comfortable living, not yeah. a great living. I would not. Uh, you are, but a lot of people are like they make a living doing extra work and stuff. Yeah. Too, and I, I can't. Hand, I, I did extra work a couple times when I first moved out there, and I was like, I can't do this. It's so much sitting around. Oh, it's a lo- well. But a lot of people do it. You're getting free food and paid to just stand around a lot. It's very boring. Yeah. But again, when you did it, what eleven years ago, there weren't smartphones. No, there weren't. You're right. There were books. Yeah, I can read. So yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a. I, I'm not against book reading. I'm just not huge into reading books. I yeah. wish I was. Like, if I'm reading a book, I start picturing the the what's what I'm reading in my head, mm-hmm. and then my head starts creating a new story. Yeah, and then I've read three pages without paying attention. Yeah, I gotta sometimes start I again. read. Sometimes I'll read, and I'll be reading the words, but I'll be thinking about something else, and I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, I gotta go back and do that. So same thing, yeah. So, but I don't. Uh, well, I guess you. you know, I mean, there's people on their phones all the time. I'm one of those people that's on my phone. Yeah, often. But I have like yesterday. Didn't touch my phone at all because I was too busy having fun. Didn't yeah. take a picture. I didn't. T- yeah, I, I forced myself to take one picture of something, um, just because it's like oh, I'm having too much fun talking and drinking and having a good time and yeah. playing with kids and, and like. I like when I don't pull out my phone very often. I'll try to put it in the same room. My favorite, one of my favorite activities to do is uh, just going to the gym because I put my phone in the locker and I don't touch it. You know, do you just, just bring an iPod? Yeah. Okay. I, well, so I use my phone had, as my iPod. Yes, I had one, but I put it on Do Not Disturb, so I can listen to music and then that. But I had just a regular like iPod Shuffle that I used, and sometimes if you're not a, if you don't text people back in like ten minutes, sometimes they freak out. I'm like, relax. I was at the gym. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not one of those. If you never, I like, I hate when you never when somebody never replies to something. No, yeah, but that's just my uh, personal opinion on that. So. I don't know. I think, it, you know, I guess it would be, I haven't seen what a scene, uh, act, you know, I did uh, a, a extra in a movie in Baltimore a couple years back. Nice. Called uh, The Brooklyn Brothers Beat the Best. Okay. Um, if you even heard of that, I'd be surprised. No, no worry. No. Nobody did. Wilmer Valderrama was in it for oh, like a best. second. <laughs> uh, uh, the the uh, blonde girl from John Tucker Must Die. Okay. All right. I always forget her name. She's been a bunch of things. Uh, oh, she's she. Uh, did you see that The Rock HBO TV series that's about sports? Ballers. Ballers. Yeah. Yeah. She was the blonde reporter that he that he was banging. Oh, okay. That he was dating. She was in it, and I met her like just tangentially, just standing there. And this is the weird thing: very pretty woman in person. Her head is huge. Yeah. Like compared to her body and just created like she looked like a walking lollipop and I really don't want to be mean about it. But that was just the weirdest thing to me. It's like when you I still look at picture of her and go, She looks normal. But when I met her in person, I'm like, her head is gigantic. Yeah. Well, a lot of like a lot of actors are a lot shorter than you imagine, or some are taller yeah. too. Like yeah. uh Ben Affleck's a big guy, man. He's like six four. Oh, definitely, yeah. But then you see somebody else. Well, he like, was also the me. same same size as uh George Reeves, which was what, six two. That's why he played George Reeves in that that Superman movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon Roth, I think it, uh, Christopher Reeves, Brandon Roth, and George Reeves were all the same size, which partly mm-hmm. was part of the reason why all three of them got those roles because they were all 
Huh. They all basically fit the mold of what Superman should look like. How big is the Superman now? Uh, oh, Henry Cavill? Yeah. Is that his name? Henry Cavill? from Uncle. I have no idea. Never bothered to look him up. We could probably look I don't think... Up. Yeah, we could look it up, but... Yeah, whatever. Eh. But... I'm not excited for that new movie, by the way, at all. I don't know about Superman you. Superman vs. Batman? I heard yeah. you're doing research to put more Batman in it. So He's already got really top know. billing in the Superman sequel. Really? How much more Batman do we need? Apparently he did a good job then. Yeah, fair enough. He's going to yeah. get his own movie soon, but anyway, on that. So, you're out there in L.A. You're doing acting. Yeah. You're doing extra work. You're at the Meisner School. You started doing improv, and then you started doing comedy. How long were you doing improv before you started doing stand-up? Uh, I was doing a, both of them at the same time for a while. So before I started, maybe a year or so, because I was doing improv and the Meisner thing at the same time. And then I was just I just started having more fun doing improv, and then I started taking classes. Like Then I started being like, okay, let me learn all sorts of different things. And I was just taking tons of classes. So when you're taking those classes, this is where I have the problem because obviously I have a day job. Yeah. I do comedy. And I want to do some classes at IB just to get back in the habit. Yeah. Improv Boston just to do back in the habit of doing improv because mm-hmm. um, I'm so rusty on it because I haven't done it in 15 years. Yeah. But I don't – I don't. A, the, finding the time to do it is impossible too. I think they overcharge, but that's my own personal problem. Yeah, they're all expensive. But when you're doing – when you're in L.A., you just moved to L.A. You saved a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. You're trying to go to classes to become an actor and stuff. What are you doing the, during the day? To make money? Yeah. Well, during the I would take classes. Typically, I would take a daytime class or an earlier class or like it would be one night a week. But I worked in uh, I worked in a lot of restaurants when I first moved to L.A. Shocking surprise. Yeah. <laughs> when I first moved to L.A., my very – well, actually, I got a good story. When I first got there, I was looking for a job and it was very tough to get one. I didn't know anybody. And I had this thing about lying on my resume. I didn't want to do it. A lot of people lie, and they're like, I worked at this place and this place and this place. Or they'll, they'll list, like, six places that never existed. Or, like, uh, a like place that was up, open, yeah. but it's closed, you know? So it's a lot It's a lot harder now with the uh, scope of the internet. But, you know, back then it was – you probably could have gotten away with it. And I remember I was working – or I was looking for a job, and I couldn't find anything. And I went on Craigslist, and I found something. And it was, I didn't really have any experience, and it was like um, – it was this. It was like hip new Hollywood restaurant on Hollywood Boulevard, looking for staff. It's like we don't care if you have experience; we will train the right person. I was like, "This sounds awesome." I've seen restaurants say that. It's uh, so. As I, being a manager, I can say sometimes I've had to learn, train people, break people of bad habits. Yeah. So yeah, they're probably being legitimate, or they're just saying that just to get anybody in the. Well, door. anyways, I went to this place. I got dressed up, you know, and I um, went over, went to Hollywood Park, walked over. And I had just gotten out of college and had my resume and stuff. And I walk up and I see the address and I'm like, what the fuck? And it's a hot dog stand. <laughs> it's a hot dog stand called Scooby's. And Scooby's dogs. I was oh. like, oh, shit. And I looked and I, I walked up to it and I walked away and I turned the corner. I remember I called my mother. And I was like, Mom, it's a hot dog stand. And she was like, well, you never know. And I was like, <laughs> okay, fine. I'm going to go apply to the hot dog stand. You got your nice press shirt, yeah, so I went up to I went out to the hot dog stand. I was like, hey. And I met with the guy. And I was like, um, he's like, yeah, well, it's basically this plus tips. And you know, it was like minimum wage plus tips to work at a fucking hot dog stand and wear a hot dog hat and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, do you guys have um, – have benefits and he was like well we have workers comp and i was like <laughs> well that's good to know <laughs> that you're insured but 
So I went and I gave the guy my resume and I was like, whatever. I don't, I don't even care about this job. Anyways, I, a uh, couple days passed and I get a phone call and a, a voicemail. It was from the hot dog stand. They were like, hey, Were Andy, they calling from the payphone outside like, the hot dog stand? Something maybe. <laughs> but they were like, hey, Andy, it was great to meet you. Thank you so much for coming in. However, you know, we were looking for somebody and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so my friend was like, you didn't get hired at the hot dogs. And they were busting my balls so hard. I remember in Swingers when, um, uh, what's Rob Livingston wanted to work? Ron Livingston wanted to work at Disney as Goofy. As Goofy, he's like, I don't know if I want to be Goofy. And then uh, I was Hamlet for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my friends like, you didn't get the hot dog stand. Not enough theme park experience. <laughs> I'd kill to be Goofy. He's like, oh, man, I would have killed to be Goofy. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. It's like, and that's the that's the pride thing where it's like, ugh, I don't want this job whatsoever. But then as soon as you find out they are not going to hire you, you're like. Well, well, why not? Wait a second. I just had the same experience with uh, there's a app service. It's basically valet. It's the Uber of valets. Okay. And uh, how does know. that work? You need a valet. And you just turn your phone on. And exactly. There's, someone drives up to you. And you parks open your the car. app. You open the app. They run. You know, it's all on foot. Or they'll do skateboards or scooters. Which, by the way, they'll sell you the scooter and just deduct it from your a razor scooter and just deduct it from your checks. Or you can use your own skateboard or run. Um, they give you a blue jacket um so you open it before you leave your house you open your app you say where you're leaving from where you're going to go to and i'm not going to say the name of it because i don't remember it not because i don't want to give it free advertising i don't remember the name of it. if somebody wants to find it out they can google it but all right open the app says where you're at where you're going to for the valley to meet you the valley will meet you there and then you they take the car to a parking garage that they own they own a bunch of spaces in parking garage then before you leave about 20 minutes whatever before you leave open the app tell them where where to meet you or that say request you know tap request your car the app will tell the you back. where's the closest spot to be, and they'll bring the car back to you. That's and you can get cool. them to fill it up. And yeah, you fill it up. They'll put gas in it. They'll wash it for you if you ask. Of course, those are all additional charges. But yeah, it's cool, but it's so unnecessary. So I went to interview for the job. I don't even know why I applied for the thing. I think I heard somebody else talk about it, and I just Googled what it was. Saw that they had a meeting, and I went to it. I was already on my day off, so I went there. And I'm just cracking jokes. Like one of the jokes is, uh, it's like um, I don't remember whatever they asked me. Basically, I said something about I made a joke about stealing cars, uh, and everyone just went, oh. I was like, "Guys, it's a joke." Did I also mention I do stand up? Maybe I'm not good at it, but that was a joke. Regardless, day later they sent me emails like, uh, "We're not sorry, we cannot offer your position with the company." This is that, and I was like, started to get mad. I was like, I didn't even want the job. Well, now I want to know why they don't want me. So just I literally just hit reply. Why? And sent them just to see. I was like, I'm not. I've already burnt the bridge. Yeah. They didn't want me in the first place. Now at least I can make them feel awkward about yeah. set by, about telling me to piss off. But so you're just working in Did restaurants. Did they write in you LA. back? No, of course no, not. That was the worst on. part. Yeah, I know. That's the worst part of the story. Is then I was like, tell me why that I but can't. But that's the same with like anything. Like you're like, I don't really care about this, and then the person doesn't like. You're dating a girl, and you're like, I don't really like this girl, but I'm gonna keep dating. And then one day she's like, I don't think we should. And you're like, what the? F- I didn't even no. like you. You no no you don't break up with me. I'm the one who's supposed to break up with you. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, that <laughs> happens, man. And then you feel like, oh man, what did I, what did I do wrong? And you're like, oh yeah, I didn't like this person for the whole time we were dating. That's probably what I did wrong. <laughs> so when you're in LA, getting turned down to work at a hot dog stand. Yeah, I got hired at a Chinese restaurant. Really? Yeah. Called it doesn't exist anymore, but it was in West Hollywood called Beijing Cafe, and I got hired to wait tables and deliver food. And I would show up at people's homes with Chinese food, and I'm like, hey, I got your Chinese food, and they'd be like, why? <laughs> Because <laughs> you can't see me right now, but I'm just like a white white dude. guy. Yeah, your average very uh, very average white guy. Yeah, well above average now. 
<laughs> so anyways, um, but my first day a there, handsome white guy. My okay? first day there, they um, they were I was there and they were showing me all this stuff, and you know like this is what this is and this is this and this is the chef and this is and it was a small operation, but they're really excited that I started working. Anyways, uh, so you can because you can reach the top shelf of things probably, <laughs> and like I learned crazy things on that like. It was what was the thing I learned? Like in Chinese, it was like something like "fu mai" means like this is mine and not yours, and then "pu mai" means the governor is corrupt. Like it's a very intricate language. Anyways, um, "fu mai" is almost so close to "fubu." Something for us by us. Yeah. yeah, I don't think they had that intention when they were <laughs> coming up with Chinese. But uh, <laughs> I was gonna say maybe they took it from the maybe, Chinese. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I doubt it, but no. maybe. Um, so my first day there, so they were all excited. Anyways, um, all of a sudden they all started like panicking and rushing and making tons of food. And they're like, oh, no, we forgot this order. And they're like, Angie, do you know Body Shop? And I was like, I just moved to L.A. I was like, what, Body Shop? Like to go get your car fixed? They're like, no, 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 girls, girls. And I was like, oh, the, the strip club up on Sunset, like right up the street called The Body Shop? And they're like, yeah. They're like – anyways, they – deliver to this restaurant like every it was like every wednesday or something like that they deliver like the catering order because they have a lunch at, oh they they at provide the, the lunch at the they strip provide club. the lunch and like so anyways the other delivery driver doesn't want to take it and I'm like okay because it's late and he doesn't want to get yelled at or something so i take it and i walk up to, i drive up to the strip club and i have like tons of chinese food and i walk up and the, there's a bouncer and he's like hey man it's the middle of the day and i'm just like oh, i got that chinese food for lunch he's like Okay, come on in. And I walk in, and I don't know where to go. And I just like look, and there's a uh, there's a woman on the stage, and she's dancing. There's some dudes in there watching and stuff, and she's dancing, and like she's a daytime stripper, so you know she's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, she's she's up there, and she's wearing nothing but like a cargo net, and she's dancing. And I walk in, and I got like my hands, and she she just looks at me from the stage and yells at me. She goes, "You bring the food." And I was like, yeah. And she goes, I love you. Will you marry me? And I was like, where where does this go? In my tummy And she's like, over there. And like points. And I was like, okay. So I bring the food over to this place. And this guy comes over. He's like, what are you doing? I'm so mad. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, you are late every Wednesday. I ask you to come in. He's like, I lose customers. They come in just for the lunch. Just for the lunch, and it's not here. They walk out. They never come back. He's all pissed. And I was like, he's not wrong. I'm like, dude, this is my first day. I don't know what's happening. And I just give him the bill, and he's like, okay. And he pays me in 67 $1 bills. Uh. (laughs) And I was like, thanks. And then I brought it back to the Chinese restaurant, and... And they, now they don't like, have to make change for the rest of the week. Yeah, and I was like, here's the money. The guy didn't tip me. And they're like, oh, no, we charge him 7 bucks as a tip because he never tips. So they oh, charge $67, which is $59 worth of food. $67 worth of Chinese food is, uh, yeah. was a lot of food. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, $60 of anything is a lot. So I worked there once uh, for a couple months, and no, were you working mostly daytime and then taking classes? I was working days and nights, but here's the thing: like it was totally under the table, mm-hmm. and they divided up into two shifts. And one day I worked a double, and I worked, I worked twelve hours with like an hour break, and I made like fifty six dollars total, including oh. my base. And I was like, I can get the fuck out of here. So I took like a bartending class. 
because I didn't know how to, I was like, oh, the bartender. And I got a bar backing job at the W Hotel in Westwood. And that was cool. I started making some, like, actual, like, I remember my first shift, I made, like, 150 bucks. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, and you're just carrying things at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you move a lot. But they also, because it's corporate, so you also got, like, a decent range. Plus, in L.A., like, the waitering jobs are different than they are out here because here you make, like, what do you make, like, four bucks an hour or something? Something like that, probably. Yeah, yeah. there you make minimum wage. Plus tips. Uh, everywhere in L.A. or hotels? Because I've worked at a hotel Every that pays Every single you. person. Really? Minimum wage plus tips. California state law. You can't do like. So I would actually get paychecks with wow. money on it. Yeah, that's Instead crazy. of just like, oh, I you took at, all this money. I so. worked at a hotel bar and that's what they did. They did uh, benefits. Um, it was uh, minimum wage was like eight something an hour in, mm-hmm. in Maryland. Uh, plus I got my health care and benefits to, from them. And plus on top of all my tips. Uh, and I was like, God, if I'm going to work in a restaurant again, it's going to be in a hotel because they pay well. But the yeah. entire city of uh, the California. Everywhere in California, you make minimum wow. wage. So they actually have uh, very strict labor laws in California, and they're very, I guess, ready to enforce them. So every place I've ever worked in California has gotten sued in the class action lawsuit for uh, not giving enough breaks to their staff. Because in California, there's a state law that if you work – um, five hours, you have to have a 30 minute, a break. 30 minute unpaid break. And in restaurants that doesn't really jive with their, with the restaurant, like what, yeah. what restaurant gives you a 30 minute break. But it apparently it's like, if you work more than six hours without taking the break, it's, um, you get, uh, the, the restaurant gets in trouble. Yeah. So Maryland had a very similar law. Yeah. And so then I, at the, just before I moved away, they changed. Like people voted to change the law to where mm-hmm. gave you less breaks and left uh, less breaks in a day and less. But I'm like, you people are idiots. Well, I never wanted to take a break when I was at a restaurant. I just want to go in, finish, and leave because you know nah, I for that 30 minutes you can't <laughs> take a table. Yeah. And that's you know you're not making money. That that 30 could minutes, be like yeah. 20 bucks. And also like if you're the guy who has to break somebody, what do you come, you come in and work like an hour and a half, make like 20 bucks and leave? It's like come on. You know? Oh yeah, I mean you can be the guy that runs everything while three. Yeah, know, a lot of places, three to a lot six of places people fixed it by having a breaker come in, and it was like, oh, you just keep the money from the tables you take, and it's like, oh, good, I'm working for an hour, so I took four tables, you know, mm-hmm. instead of fourteen. Well, I mean, if you're there, if you're covering the breaks, you could cover, say, two, uh, depending on how big the place is. I, that makes sense. It comes down. It comes down to the fact is you don't want to share your money with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh yeah, I, I took this table, I did all this stuff, but then you know, Pete's coming in. And I gotta I gotta transfer the table to Pete for like ten minutes and then or thirty minutes and then you know they're all done and they leave me a freaking forty dollar tip and then that's forty dollars that Pete then yeah. I gotta share I not only do I have to tip out the busboy and you know the host and all this stuff I gotta tip out Pete from my money so instead of making you know forty dollars on this table I'm making like twelve bucks yeah I yeah that makes sense yeah, I get it I, I'm I'm thinking in my head it's like dude if I go into work for two hours and make forty sixty bucks just Covering tables for two hours? Yeah, but... I mean, like, if I'm covering everyone's 30-minute yeah. break... Yeah, would you rather two go hours for safe? two hours and make 40, 60 bucks, or would you rather go in for five hours and make 150 bucks? If it were, Well, not every day, obviously. It's just if it's, like, one yeah. day a week. If it's, I mean, it's But whatever, I'm thinking but... it as extra money, not as in, like, that's my shift and that's I what I'm regularly make. That, now that I'm thinking of it that way, makes more sense. Yeah, but, but also... you get five shifts a week and three of them are break shifts, and you're like, oh, yeah. shit. I, so well, that means you got to go in every day? It's a pain in the ass. It sounds great when you're like, oh, I'm just going to go in for two hours and make money. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's extra money. Or... In my head, it's really, I'm going to wake up and go, ugh, I do not want to go to work for two hours. It's such a waste of my time. Yeah. So, uh, ugh, I would be in the waste of time camp. 
But then there are days where like you go in and work and you're like, I only worked for three hours and made $190. And you're like, oh, that's the best day ever. Because then you do the math in your head and that's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Whatever, three divided by one. I'll say 180. 60 bucks an hour. So 63 bucks an hour. Or that day that you work, like you said, 12 hours and you make $56. Oh, God. Like I'm just going to rub that, that in <laughs> into the wound. Oh. Uh, but uh, so was it easier, by the way, getting acting classes during the day since you were working at night? There are a lot of acting classes during the day. Oh, uh, really? Is there less? Well, is there LA, more? LA is a different type of animal than it is here because there are ev- there are so many acting classes and all these, and they're they're just like they're acting schools. And I mean, they're like, we have this actor and this actor and this actor and this actor. And then there's another school. It's like, we have this actor and this actor and this. Actor. And I coach this person and this person, and this person, and I coach this person. And they're like big names. You're like, Oh my God, that's George Clooney's coach. You know? And they're like, Oh, come train with this person or this, like, Oh, this guy trained this person. And you know, it's ridiculous. It's a huge, I mean, there are a million and one ways for an actor to spend money in Los Angeles. And every acting school, I feel does well. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. There's there are certain schools that do way better than others. There are certain schools that are like factories, and they turn out like. And here's the thing: they have like you know they got like 300 actors, and then they'll send you an email, and they're like, "This actor booked this, and this actor booked this, and this actor booked this." And when it comes down to it, it's like it's like three percent of the school's booking, but you know they're marketing geniuses, and they make it feel like if you're not taking this class, that's why you're not booking. So it's big business, and they offer classes from 11 a.m. till like like 11 a.m. There's a three-hour class, and then at one there's a three-hour class, and then they take a little break, and then at four o'clock there are classes, five o'clock, six o'clock, and they'll just have class, and they're all filled, and you know you can take class at seven o'clock at night, or you can take class at you know ten in the morning. Hmm. So you know, I guess out there, it, the there is a business into running school, like ninety thousand so. actors, yeah. It's huge. I mean, L.A., like here, when you meet an actor, it's like, oh, even in New York, there are, there are a ton of actors. But in New York, there's a ton of other stuff. In L.A., like, that city is, like, entertainment is the industry. Yeah. Like, if you go to, I don't know, if, like, it's probably an older rep, but if you go to, like, Pittsburgh, the steel city, it's like, you meet a lot of steel, steel workers. Iron workers, yeah. Yeah. L.A. is... You meet a lot of actors. Like, like in Vegas, it's impossible or, to find somebody that doesn't work at a casino. Yeah, or a restaurant or, or restaurant. something that's yeah. owned by a casino. Yeah, Vegas is a very big service industry town. Yeah. And they make a lot of – I know a lot of people – I go to Vegas a bunch to do shows and stuff, so I know a lot of people who work there. And, like, you make good money in Vegas. Plus, oh, yeah. it's cheap as shit. So, yeah, if you're, if you're living. Yeah, if you live <laughs> off the strip, of course, obviously. Which, yeah, yeah what's – how far is off the strip? An hour? Most people could an be hour? an hour. Yeah. Oh, no, it's like – Ten minutes. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You. The second you get off the strip is just like one road. Mm-hmm. So the second you I haven't get, been like, to Vegas, obviously. No worries, man. I, before I went to Vegas, I didn't know either. But now I'm like a kind of a pro because I go there for six days at a time. It's insane. But uh, I always want to drive there. But now you know I sold my car, so if I, I gotta go back and do these gigs, I'm gonna be like, hey, could you book someone that has a car <laughs> <laughs> so I can leave the strip? Because I go, like I go there and I'll do. Uh, I often do the improv at Harrah's. And so you go there, and it's six nights. So you're doing Tuesday through Sunday, and it's now it's one show a night, except Friday and Saturday are two shows. It used to be two shows every night, which was grueling. 
because you know you get one crowd and they stink, and then you get another crowd and they're worse, or you get one crowd and they're awesome, and then you get another crowd and they're terrible. Yeah, that's the you worst know? thing about like at the you're open like, what mic kind level. Of weird, like thing. Yeah, at every level. At too. every well, yeah, even at well, I was, my experience for doing multiple shows in one night is is open mics. I'll do two or three open mics, and there's certain open mics where I'll go to, and everything will go great. I'm hitting things, people are laughing, mm-hmm. it's a great crowd, and I'm like. I don't want to risk leaving and going to another place and then walking out like I want to test the weight. Yeah, under it's my weird, man. You go and you do the exact same jokes. And they're like, no, nah, we don't like this. And you're like, what? I just I told it, this joke 20 minutes ago and they loved it. And now you're like, you guys hate it. So it's it's not necessarily you. It's that. And it's, oh, yeah. It's weird. It's so weird. But even though you know and when you're doing stand-up, even when you know in your head that it's, it works and it still gets a bad reaction, it still mm-hmm. hits you. You get that self-doubt and whatnot. And yeah. I, you can't help but have it. Even when you brush it off, even when you go through years of experience and you're just like, oh, I know it works. It was them. You know, it still affects you yeah, a little does. bit inside. It but. should. I mean, so how long, so how long were you acting and working a day job before you – because you're not working a day job now. You're a full-time actor and comedian, right? No, I'm doing a day job right oh, now. Oh, do too. you? Yeah. I did not know that because we had a short conversation. I'm like – Let's put this on pause and record it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right, right now I'm working a day job. Um, I'm only here for a month, but I'm working at a job where I worked when I was in college in an office. And I called them up and was like, hey, can I get a, you know, I didn't want to go a month without working. I mean, I got a little stand-up work, but yeah. not much. Most of my connections are on the West Coast. But even on the West Coast, I was still working. I worked at a comedy club. I worked at the Improv. Oh, you're working at the Improv. awesome, yeah. Uh, what were you doing at the Improv? Uh, I would just wait tables in the showroom. So it was like the way that I thought about the improv was it was, you know, getting paid to go to class. Yeah. Because I've seen everybody. Except there are a few big names I have not seen, but like ninety percent of the people I've that come like, through the improv. I've seen like ninety yeah. percent of comics and like like you know, it's cool. Like, you know, I've met a ton of people. I'm friends with a lot of these big names and stuff. And it's because, you know, I worked there for so long. And it was cool. And like I would watch I mean, everybody, even when you're going around taking t- taking orders and stuff, like I would walk from like one table to another one and like listen to the joke and they would, you know, you can, cause you can listen to two things at once. So I would listen to the person and then all, someone would tell a punchline. I would just start laughing, you know? So, and I worked there for a while. It was great. Cause it, and I feel like that really benefited my stuff because, you know, you just watch and you just, you learn so much from just observing. So it's really cool. And, uh, well, my theory when it comes to comedy is you will, you will get as good as your environment is, hopefully. Like when I was in Baltimore and I moved up here, the first open mic I, met, I went to and I started watching what other guys are doing, I'm like, oh, they're so good up here. I'm going to have to step up my game. Yeah. Ten months went back home, did something, and everyone walked and was like, dude, you've gotten a lot stronger. And it's still, I don't know if it's because of being, I, I like to attribute to being in a stronger market. Yeah. And, or instead of just 10 more, year, uh, 10 more months of doing stand-up, it's probably a combination of both yeah. or whatever. But even like when you, if you... Most people say don't start in L.A. or don't start in New York if you yeah, don't have to. Yeah, I started to. in L.A. <laughs> Which most – a lot of people do. No, yeah. But you're going to get as good as the people around you. You're going to have to. It's going to sink or swim situation. Yeah. So if you're there and you're among some of the best, you're going to have to become some of the best. You're going to have to be at least halfway decent to get on any show. Yeah, you're going to have to – you're going to work harder. You're going to progress faster in theory. That's my theory. Yeah. That you're going to – you know, your trajectory – for comedy, will probably be a shorter trajectory than most other people's. Maybe. I mean, you a think. lot of people say LA is a tough city to start in because you're not going to get the stage time because, you know, you're going to want to do something someone who has, like, you know, is in a movie that came out that week 
they're going to come in and be like, oh, hey, can I do a spot? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then someone else who was on Conan the night before is like, hey, can I get a spot? And you're like, yeah, sure. And then all of a sudden you get dropped down the list bum, and you're bum, 12 bum. minute sets now five minutes. And they're like, hey, sorry. And you're like, eh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, that's that's quite common there, but I can't imagine it's every every night of the week. Would you think it? Like, uh, how often yeah. does, does it get imp- bumped? Uh, it depends on the show. Okay. It depends. Um, but I mean, I there's mean, other places than like, the improv, too. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, there's they're small little hole in the wall places. That you're not going to get bumped as much for, but then again, it's like. Yeah, you know, George Wallace ain't coming down to the. To the back, some oh, back George Wallace comes in the improv a bunch, man. He's funny. Ah, well, yeah. I just used him as a name. Oh, yeah. Because we're talking about Vegas, and yeah, I know yeah. he's been in Vegas. He's at the, he was at the Flamingo forever. He'll come to the improv, but he's not going to come to some uh, regular uh, dive bar that happens to do an open mic. Chances are room. they won't, but sometimes they will, and sometimes they'll just be booked on that show anyways. Because the thing is, everybody... I mean, there's so many people... Like, I would run a show, and I'd book like a pretty big name on it, and just be like, hey, man, you want to come to the show? But it's also like, you know... You think the big name would draw like a ton of people, and they do sometimes, but they don't always. You know, it's tough to promote a show in LA because it's so saturated. So you have to have one that's like there are a lot of shows that started off really small and they're real strong now, but it's tough, man. Promoting stand up's a tough business. Like, yeah, and even running your own show, it's like it's promoting anything pain. is tough. Yeah, uh, and my, you know, I, I I feel like I'm pretty good at promoting things. Mm-hmm. Um, my theory, though, you know, what I do works for me, and when it's whether it's barking, whether it's online, whatever it is, it's what I do. I'm always willing to learn. But what I always tell people is, there's no guaranteed method to promoting. It's literally no matter what how you do it, you're just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, and the best method is, is method to throw to as much anymore. shit as possible at the yeah. wall. You know, as as the more more people you can hit. Mm-hmm. Now, there's better ways just to keep using the shit at, on the wall analogy. There's better ways to throw shit, apparently. Yeah. Like, I, when I bark, I'm, uh, and I've been telling everybody this, and please, it's my method. My barking is, I always have a flyer to hand somebody. Yeah. I insist on it. I'll never just stand in front of a place going, comedy show, comedy show. I walk up to people very genuinely, very apologetically. Hey, excuse me, or excuse me, hi, we're doing a comedy show at this place. It's blah, 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 blah. Here's the info. And then hand them the flyer. Say, hey, thanks a lot. Sorry I interrupted. Have a nice night. And thank you. for This is the thing I say every time. Thank you for not littering, which is so stupid. It's so cheesy and corny. But 100% of the time, people go, ha, <laughs> ha. And now they remember me, guy that made them laugh for a second. Yeah. Even though it's a dumb, stupid joke. It's a good line. Well, yeah. that also then they won't litter, and they'll put it in their pocket, and they'll see it later. And they have it later on, even yeah. if they don't come to the show. They still I have can't that tell you how many on. times I've got a flyer, just like let it fall out of my hands. Yeah, I'm just there's better the ways worst, to do though, things. The worst is when you get to your car and there's fucking flyers all oh, over the it. windows. Yeah, that's when you just want to throw. I it had away. one fall into my window once. I was going, I opened up my window. And, like, I didn't notice it on the passenger side. card window. And it was, like, tucked in between the, the glass and the door. And I was going, I open up my window a little bit, and I see it. And I'm just like, oh, no. And then it just goes right into the door. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. And then it squeaked for a while. And then it was fine. It fixed itself. I didn't have to take the door apart. I don't know what happened to it. Uh, enough rain got in there. Yeah, it's just probably melted. just mush, but still. <laughs> I was like, ah, I don't know that car anymore, so it's okay. Yeah, I, like in, when I the, my only experience with that was in DC because I worked at nightclubs at DC for a while too, oh, with yeah? the radio station, and so I'd come out to my car and it's just eighteen postcards on there, and yeah, it's, it's like I don't want like I take them. It's like I don't I don't like to litter. It's so almost I have to go like, find yeah. somewhere to throw them away. It's almost like here you throw this out, and it gets to the point where 
I'm just like, I'm not even going to read this shit. I don't care. Don't put it on my fucking car. There was one. I remember this one now on, on one of my cars. One, uh, it was raining, just misting or whatever. They had put it on the top of the windshield. So it was sitting on the top of the car. So I missed it because I didn't see it there. I got all the other ones under the, under the, under the, the wipers and stuff. So I'm going through and throwing those away. And I, when I get back home next morning, wake up, I got in the car and I see that just soaking wet flyer Ugh. stuck on the top of the car. I go to peel it off and it just peels in half and just half of the flyer just stuck to the top of my window, just glued and dried itself to the thing. And for that. months, it just sat there. On the t- there was just a white square spot sitting on the top of my hood of my car. I was like, oh, this is so annoying. So annoying. So when it, uh, so when you're doing the acting and comedy out there, working at the improv, doing that, when did you get into SAG? Because that's where we started talking. We're going to have to recreate the conversation we had about SAG. SAG. Um, when did I get I forget when I was a member. Like 2011? No, it was before that. It was... Uh, Oh, I think 2011 we were talking about. That's when the uh, after thing. You don't have to give me exact dates. Oh, I got it right here. Remember since 2008. It's on my card. Okay, so about seven years. Yeah. um, I was there for a few years. So you got it for four years before I was in it. But I got into SAG because I booked a national commercial. Okay. And I booked a uh, Ford Escape commercial. Ah. And I remember. Which you were just driving. No, Ford Explorer you were just driving. I was driving a Ford Explorer, yeah. Oh, um, they were just like, we know kind of, we, this yeah. looks like a Ford man. We it's have good, to hire uh, him. This guy's been in a Ford before. <laughs> <laughs> and so I booked that. I remember my agent called me up and he was like, Andy? That's how he talked. He was great. He was like, Andy, um, just want to let you know, you are the first choice for this commercial. They are just worried because they have to tap Hartley you, which means like it's just a fine they have to pay to get you into the union. And at that time, they had just increased the Taft-Hartley fine for commercials. And they I guess they decreased the one for, like, movies, co-stars or whatever, because uh, they wanted more – the, the purpose was to get more actors who were already into, in SAG into the commercial. Yeah. And then uh, they knew, they know that, like, TV happens so fast that they're not going to book a non-SAG actor on a TV show. So, you know, it was it was a smart play by SAG. They actually did something to protect their actors. Um, but anyways, I... Uh, no, they, they didn't protect their actors. They protect their pockets. Uh, probably. they get Because the more work you do, the more money you have to pay them. Yeah, true. And if they really want somebody, they have to not only pay the fine to get them on the show... They have to get that or the commercial. Then they also have to get them in the union, yeah. which is more money in their pockets. All they did was just look oh, out for their money. own pocket. Oh, it's money. It's a money making machine. Oh, they're such thieves. I so, hate. anyways, I uh, I did that, and then he calls me up, and he's like, "They don't know if they want to put you on because." Whatever. Anyways, it's fucking Ford Motor Company. They have more money than they know what oh, to yeah. do with, even after the whole government buy bailout thing. They they're so rich. Anyways, <laughs> uh, and it's their advertising company that's even richer than rich, and. So then he calls me back and he's like, "Oh, they they picked you," and I was like, "Oh, cool!" So I got I was super excited. I went and I did this. This was a great commercial too. It was a three day shoot, and it, the production on this commercial was just like huge. And I mean, they they closed down a whole like block in Valencia, which is a little north of Hollywood, maybe like an hour north. And they closed down a block and a gas station so we could have the car drive by and they could film it on like an empty street. And there's just Traffic, and just waiting like, to get past. Yeah, as the car just like, keeps going zoom, back yeah. and forth. And the ga- it was a real functioning gas station, just closed, so we could go out and like pump. And they had like a they had like an extra car that was pumping, and like we're just at the gas station. But it was cool, man. I liked uh, the best part about commercials, especially 
you know, in the beginning, I was the food, the craft services. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Actually, the first commercial or one of the first ones I ever did, I did, what was it? I did a direct TV commercial and that was, uh, that was a non-union commercial. That was before I was in SAG. And I remember I'm sitting there and I don't know the difference between catering and craft services at the time. So yeah, I've heard that. Oh, yeah, this, I don't know there's what a the difference is. Two yeah, different companies. Know. Craft services are like the snacks that are all around. Okay. All day. And the guys, the crafties, are the dudes who work for craft services. They'll come out and be like, hey, you guys want these fruit parfaits or something like that? And they'll be like, who wants nachos? You know? Uh, and they come around all day. I made smoothies. Oh, uh, those you crafties know? are just my type. They're awesome. <laughs> they're awesome. I have some friends who do it, and they're fucking cool. And so, Catering does the big catering meals. Catering does okay. like lunch and breakfast and whatever. Because oftentimes you'll get there in the morning, and there'll be like a truck, and they'll be like, you want breakfast burrito? You want this, 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 you know? And you'll be like, I want this and this. And they're like, okay. And now, I'm what- sitting there, and uh, I I just done my scene, and I was just, I had a little bit of downtime. And the guy's like, uh, the crafty's like, hey, you guys want some quesadillas? And I was like, all right, cool. And he comes out, and I eat two quesadillas. And the second I'm done with this, the second quesadilla, they're like, all right, we're going to break for lunch. And I was like, <laughs> didn't didn't we just have just lunch? Eat lunch? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. And then everyone just walks outside. I remember we were walking through the studio, and we go out, and we open up this door, and it's outside. And I look to the left, and there is the biggest spread of barbecue I've ever seen in my life. And oh. I'm just like, oh, my God. Because I love barbecue. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. I have to have at least one of everything. So I go and I get like – there's like pork ribs, beef ribs, barbecue chicken, you know, uh, beans, potatoes, cornbread, cornbread, everything. Everything you can think of. And I'm just like – I have like a big plate and I eat it. And I'm like I can't just like not do this. And I'm like, oh, I'm so stuffed. And then they're like, all right, now we have ice cream cake for the director's birthday. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. So I eat this ice cream cake and I'm just like go back into into the set and I'm just like – uh, I'm a lump of shit. <laughs> and so I remember the next day I was just like, I was like sick. <laughs> well, it's, it's and weird. then I learned, I was like, okay, you have to pace your, like that, you know, you live and learn. And I mean, I, you know, you can't eat everything on a film set the second you get there because they're going to feed you throughout the day. Yeah. I can't, uh, like when I've been on there with craft services and stuff and other catered events, I always eat as little as possible because I a don't want to. Look, I'm already fat. I don't want people like. Yeah, of course you're gonna get the extra servings, Dennis. But secondly, I don't want to. Like, I feel bad. Yeah, because I know they paid for all this, but I was like, if I take too much food, then that cuts into budgets and stuff. I know it's the stupidest guilt. Oh, dude, ever. I went. I did this one commercial, and they had they had. Uh, I went to the, to the truck, and they had tri tip. Grilled shrimp and like roast duck or something were the Jesus choices. God. And the guy's like, "What can I get for you?" I want the trifecta. And he goes, "What's that?" I go, "All three. He's like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do they care? They have it. Yeah, and that's the the, with the reasonable side of my head. Would be like, look, it's already paid for. It's not like you're ordering extra food that they have to pay extra for. The food's either gonna get eaten or go to waste. Yeah. Help the only time I ever felt bad on a set was I did. Uh, this commercial for them, it was like a Burger King cross promotion with Wiling Out. Remember that show, Wiling Out? Uh, Nick Cannon? Yeah. I was like, I wasn't on that show, but I was pl- I was one of the improvisers in the commercial. Okay. And so we were, I was on Yeah, the- well, that was a Nick Cannon. It was all yeah, improvised, it was on right? MTV, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like some Burger King cross promotion type thing. And I was just, I got cast in the commercial. And I remember it, we had like awesome food. 
It was a it was an AFTRA commercial. So this was before SAG and AFTRA merged. It was AFTRA, and I did this commercial, and then we go back in, and the extras just like we had like I forget what we had like. The food was great. I just remember the food being I had like salmon or something like that. And then we go back in and the extras are eating just like fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like stacked up. Like it was just a it was just what? piles of like PB and J's and they were just like grabbing them. And I was like, "Oh god. That's it was like all right, it you was like a union sh- it was a union uh. shoot for the principals, but the extras were non-union." Non- okay. Which that's so- that's common, I think, isn't it? They'll do that a lot to save some money. But. Yeah. So they just got... They, at it least they gave them PB and J's. It depends. Yeah, but it was like... Just, but still, at the same time, it's like... Eh, it reminds pizza. me of... You know, remember Napoleon Dynamite where he works on like the egg farm and they eat like all those egg sandwiches just like piled up? And, <laughs> and that's what it reminded <laughs> me of. That's so bad. Ugh. Yeah. But so, I mean, we were talking about SAG and I've had, I hate them. I've made no qualms to say how much I hate them because I'm in it because of work, because I work in radio. Your experience has been good or bad. Like, you were telling me about the one movie that they shut down. Yeah, I did a movie that they shut down, and it was stupid. And the reason they shut down was just because they didn't fill out some forms properly, and they weren't – I was still getting paid, and I, they were taking care of the actors as if it was a SAG project because they filled out all the stuff and they thought they did it right. But then SAG's like, no, you're not doing it right. Like, you're not paying into their pension enough and we're going to fine you and do that. And so they had all this shit go wrong with SAG. And so they had to do all this stuff like retroactively. And then by the time they shut down the production, it was over anyways. And I was like, guys, I got paid. I remember arguing with the woman on the phone. She's like, well, are they doing? I was like, look, lady, they are paying me. I am getting paid to act. I'm in this movie. They're paying me. Uh, they're taking meal breaks properly. I've done a bunch of set, stuff on set, so they're doing like the proper meal breaks. There's a kid on the set. They're teaching. They're, the kid's going to school. There's, uh, you know, the kid is, you know, we're we're doing all these things. There's a parent. It's not yeah, part well, of that role. Parent has to be always involved. Oh yeah, there was the kid's parent was there, but like the kid was working. Like they were, they were. They were following every law I'd ever seen. There were animals on the set. They had the proper animal trainers and like. Like uh, this woman from uh, what what the fuck like ASPC or whatever the hell it was like she came to make sure the dogs were being treated properly and like everything was just like above board following the rules and then SAG's like man eh, you're not paying us right we're Ugh. gonna shut it down and it's not and even a like, warning or anything it was just like it was hey weird. you screwed up shut down now yeah and they were trying really Ugh. hard and they're like nah well they're just really it's like they're like the IRS and the fact that they're so myopic in their in the way that they view things. And they're like, well, if we're not getting our money right now, you know, there's no wiggle room and they'll shut it down. I'm like, well, it's fucking over anyways. So it was pretty weird, but, uh, no, but I, I, uh, SAG, I feel like is a necessary. Well, SAG has a benefit. Like the best thing about SAG is giving actors benefit who don't have working jobs and uh, benefits. I think that's the most, if you're not, if there's no SAG, there's no protection against you from doing like a 19 hour day and fucking injuring yourself. Yeah. You know, so SAG, like SAG, Labor laws there. Labor laws don't apply to movies, I guess. So that's where they're there. I just, you know, and everyone wants to make the movie as best they can. And, you know, I don't know an actor who is going to stick up for themselves without, the fucking union. So it's like, you could be like, you know, they're like, all right, well, you're here. Good. Uh, so we're going to dangle you from this cliff right now over this lava. 
and uh, ready, go. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'm going to get a fucking uh, stunt bump and this bump and this. And then the SAG is going to, I'm going to call SAG. You guys got to fix this stuff. You call your agent and they call, or you call SAG. Or if you feel unsafe, they're like, all right, we're going to put you in this room with this grizzly bear. It's okay. It's a trained grizzly bear. And uh, you're going to be covered in these fucking hot dogs. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> this, this wasn't in the audition. And then you call SAG and SAG's like, hey, no. Like, you don't have a fucking bear trainer? It's like, no, it's George's bear. He's not a licensed yeah. bear trainer? You're like, no, nah, it's cool. He's had the bear since he was five. They grew up together. Yeah, He's like Daniel Boone with him. It's fucking weird. But, uh, yeah, so you got to really just... I mean, okay, there's a benefit. There, those are the benefits of those. I have I have none of those benefits for me. They've screwed up the actual health care that they were supposed to provide me. I was uncovered for yeah, a year. Yeah, you told me about that story. But then yeah. they, they did... They fixed it later, like you're even. Yeah, a year later. When, yeah. Well, a year later. Luckily, you didn't get sick. <laughs> yeah, in that year that I was uncovered, uh, which would yeah, have been a pain in the ass. Yeah, all these big companies are like that, man. No, they don't. They, you know. Yeah, but this is the thing. Like, I, my theory, theory, theory about things is, I know my job is going to to fuck me. Yeah. That every corporation is going to fuck all their their employees. They're going to. I don't have to take it. Mm-hmm. That's why I have labor laws. But I know they're going to do everything they can to try to fuck me. Yeah. When I look at unions, unions are going to fuck me and then make then make me say thank you and then give them cab fare later on. Like that's how I see yeah. how the unions are for me. Yeah, but I mean, granted, I don't act, so maybe there is a different. You're you're depends, acting and you've man. been doing it I for mean, a long it time. Like, do I complain about SAG quite a bit? Yeah, but do I also think that they're uh, there to help me uh, in the long run? Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, you know, I mean. They they were created for a reason because people were getting fucking abused. Well, like, before labor laws, like, yeah, unions I mean, were great, as, and they they put the extras in too because the ex, like I feel like the the union got weakened when they allowed all the extras to join. But the extras needed some sort of protection, and they weren't going to start an extras union. So they they could only pay so many people in PBJ. Yeah, there was someone who told me they did like this extra work. I forget what the film was, but they were painted gold, and they had to like shave their heads, and they're painted gold, and they're like naked. Out on this, fu- they were in like loincloths, and they're like out on this fucking beach for like ten hours in the cold, and they just someone filed a complaint, and then they, you know, the next day they had coats and robes and like took care of them, so no one had hypothermia. Yeah, yeah there's I mean, a, a, a neglect. Yeah. Yes, there's safety. There's neglect. There's also. Again- I mean, it has to be regulated, or else it's just people are going to get hurt. So yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. But you're you moved back. To, you you were born here in Boston. Yeah, went to L.A. for acting eleven years ago. At doing acting, started doing improv, started doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Now comedy's doing well for you. You're 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 you say you do Vegas a couple times a year, a so times comedy's a year, going I'll well. Do that. I'll do some one-offs here and there. It's fun. Yeah, now, I enjoy it. You're here in Boston uh, for a month or yeah. so because you have know, family's here. You came to take care of your your dad. Yeah, we're my not dad going to it. My dad got sick, but, so I came home, which is nice. But you were thinking about moving to New York. Yep. Uh, now, have you been to New York before? Yeah, I've been a bunch of times. I really like just it. visiting though. Yeah, and I've done stand up there. I really like doing right. comedy there. The comedy scene's pretty cool. Are you worried about because you were in L.A. where there is a lot of a lot of jobs and a lot of work? Are you worried? And there's still tons of work in New York. But do you are you worried it's going to be tougher to s- try and find more work? in Yeah, New York? the the whole starting over thing is daunting. Uh, not as daunting as the winter, but <laughs> <laughs> daunting. Uh, yeah, so it's that. I mean, you know, you got to go out and find, make connections, and and I got to figure it out. Like, I have an opportunity to work with this. Uh, um, there's a Boston-based agent who wanted to work with me, and he's very connected to the Boston scene. But he's like, I got to rep you in New York too, and I'm like, how connected are you to the New York scene? And I'm still figuring that out. So I got to meet with like New York people, 
and see. I mean, right now I just, you know, I want to get a, some sort of day job and maybe a commercial agent and figure it all out. I mean, did you switch? Did you leave your agent in L.A. when you came here? Yeah, they don't have a New York branch, so I just left. Oh, is that is that a, like is there a referral process or uh, I'm going to hit like, them up. Hey, I know somebody in New York. I'm going to hit them guy. up. I know a couple people who know people. And so okay. I just got to start calling in my favors and figure it out. Yeah, because, you know, the, the agent part, getting that is, uh, from what I just assume. Oh, it's a pain. Except, yeah. Except now I have I have a lot better resume than I did when I got to L.A., so. That's a helpful I'm thing. not too worried. Plus, you know, you, you can make your own stuff. It's all about finding that sort of community where everybody's sort of like common goals, common creative goals, I guess. Yeah. So I just got to find it. And I know a lot of New York comedians, so it's just. And I know a lot of people in New York who are not in the industry, too. And I know a lot of people like the art scene, which is pretty cool also. One of my best friends is a painter out there. At least you know He's people great. there. That's like yeah. when I moved to Boston, I knew nobody. Yeah. and Well, like, I grew up in Boston. I went to school in Washington, D.C. New York's right in the middle. So a lot of people went there. But going to school. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's right there. Going to school, though, is different than coming here as a 30-year-old guy by himself. Yeah. Like, at least you have a social relation. Like, I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, how to make friends as in a single 30 year old man. Yeah, man. It's weird making <laughs> friends with an adult. But yeah, like I, I just want, I made, I made good friends with one guy before and I'm like, we're just talking and this was years ago. And I remember we were like, yeah, let's, let's grab lunch. And someone's like, Oh dude, he totally wants to fuck you. And then I was like, I don't know, man. He just seemed like a cool exactly. guy. So we went and got lunch and he was making a joke. He was like, yeah, my friends were like, Oh, he totally wants to fuck you. I was like, That's what my friend said. <laughs> <laughs> he just turned into a good buddy. We just went and got lunch. It was just I, like, that, hey, I, my fear we're just that, dudes. We want to get lunch. My fear when I moved here is like when I want to just hang out and talk to guys, do they think I'm hitting on them? Which I'm not, but like but I, you I still have, have to make friends. Somehow. I have yeah. been in that boat too where it's like you think you're making friends with someone. And they're, and they're like, like uh, what does your dance. penis look like? And you're like, whoa, wait, what? Why are we talking about my dick? Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, one guy, a casting director, and he was just like, oh, man, that was fucked up. I had to tell him like, I don't want to hang out. And then he would be like, you want to come to game night? And I'm like. No, dude, you just fucking texting me like a bunch of shit about like what does my dick look like, and I'd be like, dude, I'm uncomfortable with this right now. Like, now you know how a lot line. of women feel. Yeah, it it was weird, and like I was like, dude, I'm totally fine being friends with you and stuff like that, and girls too. Like, you know, it's not fair, but it happens. The so good thing about New York is it is very centralized. There's a lot more bigger cities here than compared to L.A. I'm assuming. Yeah. So it's easier, like. What's that? A two-hour drive or two-hour, four-hour bus trip from New about York to Boston? Four hours, yeah. Yeah, four-hour trip to get here. You can still a lot more shows out here. So yeah, I think I I personally think it's gonna be a better move for you. I'd like it. I'd like to go back and forth from here to Boston, so or from Boston to New York or whatever. And then DC's got a cool scene too. I'm going to DC for a month before I go to New York. Oh, that's good. Yeah, no, DC's a great comedy DC scene. scene. I feel is it's very supportive. Too. Like audiences are very. You know supportive. what? Boston's very supportive, man. One thing I really like about Boston, I was telling my friends, like, how's the comedy? I was like, well, comics all kind of watch each other. Yes. Yeah. Like, people are like really? I was like, yeah. Comics like we I, watch. We might not laugh a lot, but there's there's a fair amount of watching. It's a lot more supportive than L.A. And L.A. I'm not saying it's completely unsupportive, but in comparison, it's like Boston's like whoa. Yeah. Like, what is but, happening? But in L.A. You you L.A. and New York, you can get around a lot more than Boston. There's not a lot of places tea accessible that where you can bang out two, three, four shows in a day. So well, Boston, I mean, L.A. You got to have a car. Yeah. So Boston, uh, I gotta. I mean, I've been driving so. It's fine. Speaking, I got to get to somewhere. All right. Yeah, you got to go. All right. <laughs> thanks for coming in, Andy. Hey, thanks. Thank you for the donut, great. too. Oh, you're welcome. Enjoy those. Give one to Jesse. I will. 
So there you go. There's the podcast this week with Andy Ostroff, actor and comedian Andy Ostroff. Hope you enjoyed it. You can actually, if you uh, like the sound of Andy's voice and sounds like a charming guy, he is very charming. You can check him out uh, in a couple movies. Of course, if you want, you can go to his IMDb page. And I'm actually really excited to have somebody on the show that has IMDb credits. That's pretty cool. My friend Jenny, uh, I did a couple years back. I was doing a short horror movie for a web series contest that I used to watch. It was this web series called Indie Mogul. And every Halloween they would do like a short film contest. So make a short one minute horror movie was this one. I was like, okay, I'll do that. I'll do, since I'm from Baltimore and you know, Edgar Allan Poe is ingrained in our DNA. If you're from Baltimore, I decided to do a one minute version of A Telltale Heart. And it is atrocious. It's terrible. It's on my YouTube. Uh, if you want to watch how bad it is, I directed it and I had my friend Jenny in it who did a lot of theater and she's in LA now and I'm pretty sure she's still doing acting. I see her Facebook posts about general life, but I don't see anything about acting. But if you're there, how could you not be? I'm sure she is. Um, very sweet gal of a person. So I had her star in this Telltale Heart one-minute thing. I had my friend Christian uh, help me out. Uh, and I was joking because I was coming. I Oh, in the in the podcast, I mentioned I was uh, extra in this movie, The Brooklyn Brothers Beat the Best, which is very good and funny and very original, but it's a little weird. No, nah, not too weird, but it's it's an indie film. If you find it somewhere, eh, watch it. Enjoyable. The music is really great. The music they create for it is very good. But anyway, Jenny was also an extra in that. And I didn't know because we worked on different days. And I think I found out because I was looking up the IMDb page for the movie to find out when it was actually going to be released. And I saw her name in it. So I was immediately like, and I was looking at her credits and stuff. And I was like, hey, Jenny. I posted on her Facebook page. I was like, hey, Jenny, how do I get your, how do I add my one minute telltale heart that you start in on your IMDb page <laughs> as a joke? And she was like, oh, no, you just have to submit the information. It's a completely user submitted. I was like, All right, well, I, I wasn't serious. I would love to, however, that you have a professional IMDb page with headshots and then you're this crappy one minute horror movie you're in in there that was incredibly entertaining to me just the thought of that but anyway i did that it's out there if you want to see it anyway so i have a small obsession with imdb credits and being on the imdb page and i know i could create my own imdb profile put it on there and list things but i don't i don't really have anything that's worth listing yet so i don't maybe one day i'll have my own nice actual imdb page and credits and stuff. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's not my goal in life, but it is kind of something I want to do. All right. There's, before I wrap this up, let me tell you, there's only a few things in my entire life that I really um, dream about doing uh, that I've always fantasized about having a chance, an opportunity to do ever since I was young. And having an IMDb credit is a, a serious IMDb page is on that list. And my other one, is oh, this is so embarrassing? I've always wanted to be a guest on Loveline. Like I, the only, I'm not obsessed with fame or anything like that. But I've always wanted to be just famous enough to where I was asked to be a guest on Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla back in the '90s when I used to listen to it in the early 2000s when I would listen to it all the time. It was my favorite radio program, and I always wanted to be a guest on it. And. Yeah, it's still a possibility. Not with Adam Carolla, though. But I think the Drew and Adam are doing a podcast together now. I know Adam does a podcast, like, every day. 
out of his house or whatever or, or whatnot. But and Drew does podcast, but I think the two of them have been podcasting together. Now. I don't know. I should have looked that up before I said it. But yeah, that's one of my dreams in life is to be to have been a guest on Loveline. Uh, so. So, Andy, if you liked him, the sound of his voice and he sounds like a good guy, which he is. And you want to see some of his acting, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at his name is Andy, or you can see him in the movie Inferno, which is on Hulu right now. I didn't see it yet because I don't care about horror movies, but I should have watched it before I had Andy in here, so we could have talked about the movie. But my roommate, Jesse Miles, who's also a comedian, he saw it, uh, and he was like, eh, it's a good horror movie. I don't like horror movies. It's not my thing. But Andy does a good job in it. So if you like him now, or if you liked him before, and you want to see him, and you have the Hulu, have a Hulu account, which I cannot recommend enough. I wish they sponsored this podcast right now because I'm saying good things about them. Anyway, I have Hulu. I use it. I've gotten rid of TV and I use Hulu and Crackle. So really easy to get rid of TV with Netflix, Hulu and Crackle and a few other applications and a little finagling, uh, which is what I've done. And I'm happy about it. Not looking back to going to live TV anymore because I don't care about sports because I don't care about sports. That's why I don't have live TV anymore. Don't need it. Don't care about sports. If I really want to go watch a game, I'll leave. Anyway, so Andy Osteroff, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you so much for downloading it. And uh, if you are listening to this episode and you enjoyed it, do me a favor on whatever application you're listening to this, uh, whatever, ad- a- do me a favor, whatever aggregator that you're listening to this podcast on, be it iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a comment. You know, those things are important. You know, it helps get the word out of this podcast to other people. So if you're enjoying it, hopefully other people will enjoy it too. Uh, You could tell friends too. That would help. Um, Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Take care. Mahalo.